You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Imager discloses a data breach, Uber faces regulatory attention and possible post-hack headwinds for its anticipated IPO. Mozilla's working on a Firefox add-on to warn you that a site you're visiting has been breached. There's a minor resurgence of Mirai, mostly from routers in Argentina. Anti-ISIS hacktivists school the caliphate in information operations. What did the FBI know about Fancy Bear? North Koreans study blockchain. And winter is coming for an Iranian hacker. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, November 27, 2017. Imager, the image-sharing service, disclosed Friday that it had been hacked in 2014, losing some 1.7 million email addresses and passwords, probably to a brute force attack against the SHA-256 hashing algorithm it was using at the time. Imager has since moved to Bcrypt, reckoned a more secure algorithm. Researcher Troy Hunt, who operates the site Have I Been Pwned, discovered the breach on Thursday and immediately informed Imager. Their swift disclosure, just one day later, is being widely commended. Detection, of course, was slow, but once they learned of the breach, they were very fast indeed. As Hunt put it, quote, I want to recognize Imager's exemplary handling of this. That's 25 hours and 10 minutes from my initial email to a press address, to them mobilizing people over Thanksgiving, assessing the data, beginning password resets, and making a public disclosure, end quote. The obvious contrast here, of course, is the disclosure practiced by Uber, which not only kept mum about its own 2016 breach until about a week ago, but also appears to have paid the hackers hush money to the tune of a hundred grand to keep it quiet. Uber's breach occurred on the watch of former CEO Travis Kalanick, who, according to Reuters, knew about the breach in December of last year. The current CEO, Dara Khosrowshahi, took over the company at the end of August. Now in the process of mopping up the damage, Karashawi is said to have learned of the incident in September, about two weeks after moving into the CEO job. He did not immediately disclose it, taking about two months to investigate and assess the damage. Opinion differs on whether this delay was a proper course of action. On the one hand, the incident was complex, involved the conduct of senior members of Uber's management team, and was probably not then well understood. On the other hand, people need to be warned quickly when their personal information has been compromised. Uber faces a variety of legal and regulatory actions in many jurisdictions. At least three U.S. states have opened investigations, New York, Connecticut, and Illinois, and there are said to be investigations in progress by the Federal Trade Commission, the FBI, and the U.S. Attorney for the District of Manhattan. International investigations are said to be underway in both Australia and the United Kingdom. Uber is privately held. It's believed, in fact, to be the most valuable privately held tech company in the world. But it's preparing for a 2019 IPO. 
Crucial to that IPO is a tender offer expected tomorrow from Japan's SoftBank. Observers think Uber may find its value damaged by the data breach and wind up paying what some are calling a Kalanick risk premium. Ousted as CEO in June, Kalanick remains on Uber's board. Mozilla is working on an enhancement to its Firefox browser to warn Internet users when they visited websites known to have sustained data breaches. The feature is said to use data provided by Have I Been Pwned. An alert would come up saying, You visited hack site fill in the blank, followed by an input field that appears to let visitors enter their email address to determine whether their data were among those lost. It's one approach to raising awareness about data loss. Bleeping Computer thinks it might be more useful if it put less emphasis on the incident and more on encouraging affected users to change their credentials. Mozilla's add-on is still in development. Security researchers at Kehoe 360 NetLab have told Bleeping Computer they've noticed an increase this month in Mirai botnet activity. They connected to the publication of -of proof-of-concept exploit code on Halloween. There was a three-week lag. Scans using the proof-of-concept began on November 22nd. The exploit posted online takes advantage of a hidden superuser password on older Zizel routers. The password apparently was shipped with the routers that used CenturyLink and Quest Modem default Telnet credentials. Most of the newly herded Mirai bots appear to be in Argentina. The new Mirai campaign has yet to have had serious consequences, especially since the malware isn't persistent. The bots drop out once the routers are rebooted. A group of anti-ISIS Muslim hacktivists, Dashgram, has succeeded in breaking into ISIS news agency Amok and introduced fake news into Amok's sites. Their goal, they say, is to contribute to the discrediting of ISIS by flooding Amok users with bogus and scandalous, yet plausible, content. They have attempted to craft the fake news for believability, announcements that an ISIS radio station had been destroyed in an airstrike, things like that. ISIS handed Dashgram a victory when it told followers not to trust links presented in Amok. Mistrust of Amok and other ISIS outlets is something the civilized world would welcome. The caliphate's inspiration continues to prompt great suffering. ISIS struck a Sufi mosque in Egypt over the weekend, killing more than 300 worshippers, many of them children. An attack on a mosque is unusual for the terrorist group, but they've been denouncing Sufism online for some time. The Associated Press reports that the U.S. FBI knew for about a year that Fancy Bear was going after officials' email accounts, but generally didn't inform the targets that they were being prospected by a Russian intelligence service. The report is new, and what the FBI did or didn't do and why isn't yet clear. The story is, as they say, developing. Observers note with misgivings an increase in North Korean university training on blockchain technology. Recorded Future, for example, dismisses the notion that this is an innocent intellectual trend, like a lot of ambitious undergrounds from Sinanju looking for a career in the next new thing. Most see the training as a harbinger of more attempts to loot Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies on behalf of the Pyongyang regime. Criminal interest in cryptocurrency theft is rising across the board. The Sands Institute has been blogging about an increase in scans for Bitcoin and Ethereum wallets, So hold on to your blockchains. Finally, winter is coming. Let's see, that's 20, 21, 22, 23, right, 24 days from today up here in the Northern Hemisphere. But it's also coming for one Bezad Mezri, 
Sometime Iranian military contractor, an alleged member of the Turk Black Hat security hacking team. Mr. Mesri was indicted last week for his alleged role in hacking the HBO series Game of Thrones. Acting U.S. Attorney Jun Kim, who's obviously a fan of the show, pointed out that winter is coming is the motto of the House of Stark and that, as Mr. Kim put it, today winter has come for Bazad Mesri. Of course, there's no way Tehran is going to serve a U.S. warrant on Mr. Mesri, but in some ways, it's the thought that counts when you're naming and shaming. As Mr. Kim pointed out, for the rest of his life, and he's a relatively young man in his late 20s, he will never be able to travel outside Iran. The memory of American law enforcement is very long. So think of it this way. Whenever a wanted hacker is getting ready to book a vacation abroad, the White Walkers will be there to hit him or her with an extradition order. If Mr. Mesri is fond of the beach, may we suggest the Caspian Sea. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's the senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, welcome back. Um, we saw a uh, article come by about uh, President Trump who has signed a cyber crime fighting act which is uh, set to help with uh, local and state law enforcement. Here's a, a win for the president. Yeah, he signed this piece of legislation just last week, the Strengthening State and Local Cybercrime Fighting Act of 2017. It was introduced uh, in the House of Representatives uh, by a member named John Ratcliffe from Texas. It also had bipartisan buy-in uh, in both the House and the Senate, including sponsorship from Dianne Feinstein, a Democrat in the Senate who has been on, on the forefront of, of many of these issues. The legislation authorizes the National Computer Forensics Institute uh, located in Hoover, Alabama. So whoever is the congressman there, uh, I'm sure had a major <laughs> impact in shepherding this, this legislation. Uh, and the idea is that this institute will get federal funding to train local officials across all 50 states and across all of our territories to become more uh, effective at fighting cybercrime. And I think we've talked about in other segments the importance of 
getting to local officials, especially first responders who have a, a glut of skills, but uh, cybersecurity and protecting against cyber crime is not going to be one of them. I think largely, you know, it's just not the practice of, of the industry to be well versed in these topics. But I think we're going to see more profile events where part of the emergency response is going to require at least a basis of knowledge uh, in cybersecurity issues. And since we already have uh, an institute, a body that's that's capable of, of conducting these trainings, and they've already trained 7,000 local officials, I think. Uh, this is a wise piece of legislation to expand that program, uh, give it a little bit of government funding, and show that the federal government is willing to be a partner uh, with states and localities in protecting against these threats. Yeah, it's interesting with a, 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 a paralyzed Congress that uh, it seems like these cyber laws are some of the things that are being able to uh, go through without much uh, trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, fortunately for all of us, this is an issue that hasn't been particularly polarized. I think everyone is beginning to understand uh, the immense threat that uh, cybersecurity poses on our country, particularly our, our critical infrastructure and, and some of our private companies. And I think President Trump, to his credit, has made this a, a priority. He came out with his uh, cybersecurity executive order earlier this year. Uh, and this is a, another piece of legislation, and granted, it's it's not a major legislative accomplishment by any means, a relatively small program, but I think it's showing that he has some interest in these issues and that he's willing to sign pieces of legislation to assist in this effort. All right, Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K Cyberwire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now.